world of economic clusters, what they are, why they're important, and how they can bring unprecedented levels of innovation and prosperity to your region. I'm your host, Ian Gormley. Clusters and Competitiveness is produced by the Institute for Competitiveness and Prosperity, a Canadian think tank based in Toronto. Through our conversations with those who work with and within clusters, we'll talk about what clusters can and can't do for your region. On our first three episodes, we heard from members of the local Toronto clusters community. But today's episode takes on a more global outlook, courtesy of E4 Fox Williams, CEO of Cluster Navigators Limited. E4, who spoke with us during the recent Institute-hosted TCI Network Global Conference on Clusters, is a leader in cluster-based economic development, with experience in over 50 countries across the globe. As E4 explains, while competition is inherent between clusters, the key to any successful regional cluster strategy in any country is cooperation, or as he likes to call it, coopetition. A strong ecosystem is primarily about relationships. And, and a lot of cluster development is connecting the unconnected. It's helping businesses understand, yes, we compete, but where might we collaborate? So helping businesses develop a culture of cooperation. And alcoholic lubrication is a key ingredient there. But more fundamentally, it often needs a neutral corner that brings together businesses where there's common issues, common agendas. A neutral corner that brings together the big guys in town with the small guys in town. And often, they're not too good at talking to each other. Um, the small guys are a bit afraid of talking to the big guys, and the big guys perhaps don't even know who the small guys are. So a broker, a cluster manager type person, getting alignment amongst businesses, building the culture of cooperation, is relatively easy compared with getting alignment amongst public agencies. This is hard because different agencies often have got different reasons for existence, different ways of working with companies. At the extreme, they even compete with each other to get the attention of companies. So a key role of a cluster manager, a cluster facilitator, is to get the different support agencies aligned around the needs of, of a particular cluster, getting everybody on the same page. Again, a cluster manager needs to have the social skills to bring people together and help them work through where are their common agendas. Of course, convincing competing businesses to work together is easier said than done. As E4 explains, there are four elements to any good coopetition strategy. Finding easy wins, trust, commonalities, and time. Um, hard, particularly for companies, to be able to comfortably sit down with each other respect each other as competitors, but also say, hey guys, we've actually got some common agendas. It's learning how to work among them. It's learning how to build trust among them. And one of the key processes here is let's find some easy things to quickly engage. Let's find some low-hanging fruit. Let's find some agendas that aren't necessarily that strategic. It's more tactical. If there's a, a common issue of, hey, we're all short of business. Well, can we participate together at a trade fair? Can we find a way to blow our trumpet together? If there's a common issue that relates to training and the next generation of apprentices, can we work together in addressing that? And, and a mistake in clustering initiatives is going for big things, going for the heavy lifting too early. It takes time to build trust. It also takes time to actually understand what is going on inside that cluster. What really are the key issues? 
it takes time to often understand, yes, it's furniture, but what in particular within furniture? Is it office furniture? What is our niche? And in today's world, any internationally competitive cluster has got to have some particular niche, some particular specialization. And if anything, over time, these specializations are getting even more specific, even narrower. So hard for companies to come together to work through where there are common agendas, but even harder, as I was saying, for a range of public agencies in many parts of the world. I see a clutter of support agencies, and I see clumps of companies clumps of companies that are in the same activity, in the same town, in the same region, but they've never actually sat down at the table together and never sat down to discuss what are some of the common issues, what are, what are some of the common opportunities. E4's expertise is global, but it started locally in New Zealand, where he first noticed the natural occurrence we now call clusters. I, I was with New Zealand's Export Development Agency and was looking for how do we help lots of small businesses in the most remote country in the world? How do we help them engage internationally? How do we help them move in to be export competitive? And that took us down the track of, can we bring related companies together in a business network sense? And, and then appreciated clusters and, and heard about Michael Porter at Harvard. In fact, brought him down to New Zealand, I think three times. I remember the third time he came to New Zealand, the CEO of New Zealand's Export Development Agency that I was working for hauled me into his office and said, Ivor, I don't want you to come and talk to me about clusters anymore. And I took a big breath. And then he said, I want you to come and tell me what do we do about them? And, and that is the key question. And clusters are a natural occurrence. But the question really is, okay, how do we activate, how do we animate, how do we better understand the ecosystem around a particular cluster, how do we engage to make things happen, how do we move beyond analysis into action? Moving from analysis, he says, required a holistic approach, one that considers every connected piece of the larger cluster's puzzle. I firstly started helping businesses come together, and then I realized, actually, it's not just businesses. It's also the training institutions, it's the vocational training institutions, it's the universities, it's the high schools, even in many cases the primary schools that need to be aligned around a particular cluster, whether it's ecotourism or whether it's furniture or whether it's IT or, or biotech. And importantly, it's not inventing a cluster. What we're inventing is the clustering initiative. It is the process to animate. drawn from E4's knowledge of cluster strategy and aggregate, but his experience makes him a great person to speak about the different regional strategies that are working around the world. One area in particular is leading the way. You've mentioned Europe and a lot of experience across Europe in the Scandinavian countries, in Denmark, in Norway, in Sweden, in Iceland, in France, in Germany, in places like Catalonia, which has got 26, 27 years of cluster development experience places like the Basque Country in Spain, and the focus for economic development 
in those countries, many of them, the focus is around their clusters, around their specializations. So the clusters are the places where wealth is generated. The clusters are places where high-quality jobs are generated. So a, a lot of focus across Europe on regions identifying what are we good at doing, darn good at doing, and then better understanding how do we work as a team to bake a bigger pie. And, and if we can bake a bigger pie between us, it's going to be a lot easier to slice that pie. As we've talked about in previous episodes, clusters aren't made out of thin air, and nor are clusters strategies. Experience, and the patience needed to attain it, is an asset when it comes to deploying cluster strategy. And it seems that there are even broader historical and cultural advantages that can put one region over another. And, and I asked a, a guy in Holland, one of the neat clusters there, they call it Food Valley. It's as flat as anything. It's very hard to perceive where the valley is, but it really is the mega food cluster in Europe. And no longer is it food processing. It's, it's food R&D, and it's where Heinz and Unilever, all the global majors are there. They're not forced to be there. They're there because it is the knowledge center on a European, on, on a global scale. And, and I asked somebody in Holland, you guys seem to be able to work together well. H how come? And an answer was, well, centuries ago, when there was a hole in the dike, we all learned to pitch in together. Whether we were the priest or, or a merchant or a farmer or a peasant, we learned to work together. And that culture still seems to rub off for us in Holland. I think there's, there's something for real in that. And some work has been done in, in Italy in looking at how come northern Italy outperforms southern Italy. And an answer is in northern Italy, there is social capital, there is trust, there is community engagement, people talk with each other, they still know how to compete with each other. So it's not as if they're all hugging each other all the way, but there is a, essentially a culture of cooperation amongst those firms, and, and a culture similar to what we see in a place like Silicon Valley, where firms respect each other, they know who to go to in a Silicon Valley or, or in a northern Italy cluster. They know who to go to for some particular product or some specific advice. There's a lot of tacit information that flows around those places, but they still compete like hell. With some regional exceptions, Canada is relatively new to the clusters game. But the recent supercluster strategy launched by the federal government looks to supercharge our regions at a scale heretofore unseen elsewhere. What you're doing now with the supercluster initiative is really fast-tracking, accelerating, is putting clusters on the map here in Canada. And many of the Europeans at the conference here are a bit in awe of the scale of the supercluster initiative because it far exceeds in anything. That, that anybody has seen elsewhere in the world. But it is, in a sense, force-feeding the innovation system, is force-feeding the ecosystem, is giving the clustering initiative the resources to quickly engage, to quickly make things happen. And I hope the supercluster initiative is catalyzing, oh, okay, so in our region we need to specialize, we need to work through what are we really good at doing, and we need to build a team. We, we need to bring competitors together, the support organizations together. Strong clusters do tend to raise prosperity across the community. That's the end of this episode of Clusters and Competitiveness. This is the latest in a series of podcasts exploring some of the most asked questions about clusters, as well as many of the issues currently facing their growth, both in Canada and across the globe. A big thanks to E4 Fox Williams for taking time away from the TCI conference to speak with us. His global perspective is greatly appreciated.
Clusters and Competitiveness is produced by the Institute for Competitiveness and Prosperity, a Canadian think tank focused on raising the competitiveness and prosperity of the province of Ontario. This episode was written and produced by myself, Ian Gormley. If you like what you hear, please tell your friends about us and rate us on iTunes. It's a big help to spreading the word about the pod. And to make sure you never miss an episode of Clusters and Competitiveness, please hit the subscribe button. Once again, I'm Ian Gormley. Thank you for listening. Thank you.